Hello and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. Today, we sit down with a Washington, D.C.-based public relations professional to talk about how to manage, or better yet, prevent a PR crisis from throwing your institution into chaos. Give these folks a listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. My name is Angela Street. I'm one of the directors of Research Advisory Services at EAB. And one particular aspect of my job is helping university leaders, cabinet leaders to plan for and to really navigate their way through many difficult challenges. So as you can imagine, there are plenty of those challenges to go around, of course, these days. But what we're gonna focus on for the next 30 minutes or so is how institutions communicate with the campus community and the general public, of course, in times of crises. And with me today uh, to explore this topic and subject is communications expert, Stacy Skelly from the Reese Group, which is a Washington DC based public relations agency. So Stacy, thank you for joining us today. Awesome, so glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's just kick it off here with, tell me a little bit about yourself and of course your role uh, at the Reese Group. Sure, sure. So as you noted, the Reese Group is a uh, small public relations woman-owned PR firm here in Washington, D.C., and um, we focus on health, healthcare, and societal issues. And I'm uh, a senior vice president here, and my job is really to help organizations, associations, um, companies, foundations use communication strategies that uh, share their advocacy goals with the world, that help uh, share their expertise with the world. And um, I bring about 20 years of experience in that space, um, a chunk of which, a large chunk of which was at uh, the corporate communications team at a global education company. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with higher education institutions and their leaders. And um, and so in this work, both with um, higher ed experts and those in the field um, and other organizations, we often um, are helping them understand how to manage manage a crisis or an issue uh, that hasn't quite risen to crisis level yet. Hey, great. Well, so interested to hear your perspectives today, and we'll jump right in and, and have these uh, this conversation. So, you know, can I ask you why organizations um, should or, or do hire crisis communication experts? So maybe, in other words, you know, what are maybe uh, some of the most complicated uh, challenges um, that institutions, companies, organizations have to tackle, of course, and why maybe you wouldn't just bring some folks together, you know, executive team when when things go uh, awry um, and just put out a statement. Um, What's your perspective and, of course, expertise in, 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 in that resolve? Yeah, well, the reality is crisis communications or issues management, um, all that planning should ideally happen long before there's an issue or a crisis to manage. So sometimes too late at that point. You're you might be running around like a chicken with your head cut off if you're trying to deal with an actual <laughs> issue and, yeah. and you don't know how to communicate about it. So really in the heat of the moment, you forget things. You you don't understand um, maybe everything that um, you need to be saying to the world. And so ideally um uh, A person in a communications role helps you think through those things. And ideally, that's happening before sort of these flashpoints even exist. So um, really, it's about thinking it through in advance um, and making sure that the 
way you communicate is aligned with your mission as an organization yeah. and um, it's aligned with your values. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I know that um, for university leaders, they're in the mix every day on campus. And I know you work with them every day on campus. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly without necessarily naming any names or calling anyone out. I just wondered if you had a sense of, of how effective university leadership teams tend to be at communicating um, in these times of crises. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the term flashpoints uh, here is what we typically use um, at EAB and, of course, in higher education uh, as well. And I want to start by maybe defining what that is. Um, It it really a flashpoint being a climate related incident or an event that may cause some sort of disturbance in the community or media, such as, you know, heightened levels of activism, uh, media and public scrutiny and, of course, you know, reputational damage. And risk identification practices many times in higher ed tend to overlook these flashpoints. And so what we've found through our research here at EAB is currently most institutions, they they do rigorously track uh, and manage uh, those risks such as financial, operational, and compliance-related risks. You know, someone's coming after us, right, (laughs) in response uh, to those issues, but reputational risks especially climate flashpoints, are largely overlooked. And traditional risk management offices generally just don't have the expertise to identify, prioritize, and address reputational risks because of the unfamiliar and rapidly shifting uh, terrain in itself. So the gap, of course, is concerning because many colleges and universities believe that they just don't have the ability to withstand a major reputational risk event. So to give a data point, because that is what we do and share in research um, in higher education, is that 54% of institutions believe that they don't have the ability to withstand these major reputational risk events. Wow, more than half of them. That's yes. incredible. Absolutely. Well, I think I think they can do it. They just need to put a little work in. So um, one of those places where they should probably think about putting some work in is around understanding who their audiences are. So would you be able to share a little bit about what you think the different target audiences are that a college or university might want to be thinking through during sort of a flashpoint or a climate crisis, if you will, and maybe some examples of a, a school that's got a solid set of protocols in place? Yeah. So um, as far as um, as target audiences to think about would typically be obviously your faculty, staff, and students, and those who it directly affects, but also as we think about alumni and um, neighboring communities around us that may be directly impacted um, by what happens as a result of the incident. And then we think even more broadly, we think about our donors associated with whatever topic and or interest that they are collaborating with us on in order to invest, uh, of course, in our institution. So there's certainly a great number of stakeholders that we need to think about as we are releasing uh, these particular statements. So I know, Angela, you mentioned that word flashpoint. Um, Maybe you could give a couple examples or some thoughts about what some of those typical campus flashpoints might be to help to help bring it to life? Certainly, certainly. So, you know, we've seen for decades, I guess since, since colleges have been colleges, there have been student protests 
of um, certainly uh, a range of, of different issues. So that's not necessarily something uh, new to us, but social media was not always uh, something that was before us. So there is a lot of social media monitoring that's going on um, or that continues to go on, just depending on uh, the types of flashpoints and things of that nature that are taking place on campus. But more specifically, to answer your question, it could be a, a, a number of things. It could be a controversial political appointment uh, to the board of trustees of someone uh, that students don't have, don't serve in the same um, or identify the same political party as that individual or some controversy around that person's placement. Um, it could be something that's happening outside of the institution. Um, so, for example, uh, many protests surrounding the murder with George Floyd during that particular time, and then how that lands back at the institution and equality, things of that nature. Um, tuition increases, we see that internationally, right? We all have to pay tuition <laughs> to go uh, and attend colleges and universities. So you can see a lot of that happening. But I will say most recently, over the past three years, what was very evident uh, was uh, COVID-19 response. So what were the PPE requirements and what were students expecting for, during ser for service uh, during that particular time? So many things have not changed over the years. It's more the ways in which students are communicating their activism um, is, you know, certainly um, happening in very different ways than your traditional stand-in protests. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's true of the, the whole world around us. It's changing and, and university leaders need to be prepared for that. Excellent, excellent. Well, let, let me ask you, uh, Stacey, so what are some of the first steps you go through when you get the call from a company or an institution that's knee-deep in a PR disaster and they haven't necessarily planned for this. Yeah, well, I think first up is um, gathering the facts. So nothing's kind of worse than going out and, and not knowing the truth, um, or at least the truth as, as much as you can get to it. Um, so understanding uh, who has information, knowing um, as, enough to feel confident um, making some kind of public statement or or posting something online. You know, it's really important to sort of get that baseline because um, without knowing that, you might sidestep um, right into something you didn't mean to do. So first of all, gather the facts. And then, you know, our university leaders need to be acknowledging the situation in front of them. So they want people to understand that they've heard the issue in front of them, whether that's tuition increase, whether it is some of those student protests that you've talked about, um, and that they're either taking action or they've at least uh, heard the voices that are being shared with them. Um, so they want to be clear in any public statement that they're aware they're engaged, and maybe hopefully what they plan to do about it. So time's sort of an, an essence, uh, uh, time's of the essence when um, you're facing one of these situations. You want to be clear to get the facts. You want to be sharing where you are and what you know and tell a little bit about what you're going to do next. So that's a step that sometimes is forgotten. So how is it that you're going to take action as a university to move forward? And, and really, we tell all of our clients that ideally, again, like I said, the, the planning should be happening beforehand. You've said many of these issues are ones that campuses have faced time and time again. So 
shouldn't necessarily be a surprise when some of these flashpoints take take place. So, um, you know, really, it's about planning, trying to stay ahead about uh, ahead of it, and um, and then going from there. Sure, sure. So, so I guess ideally, though, what kinds of systems or, or playbooks should an institution put in place so so they're prepared before trouble does find them? Yeah. You know, do some scenario planning. What is it that is most likely to happen on your campus? Um, often they know as part of their strategic plan um, if there's going to be changes in the tuition, for instance, or if if you're going to name a new chancellor, you're thinking through what those reactions could be on campus. So knowing, thinking strategically as a university leadership team about those potential flashpoints, thinking about what's likely to happen what might happen in those situations and what could happen. That's certainly something we talk a lot about here. So you can plan for what's likely to happen and what might. And of course you do want to plan for what could happen, even if it doesn't seem likely. So <laughs> yeah, that's certainly one thing. Um, then know who your audiences are. You talked a bit about those. So how will each of these groups of people perhaps react differently to something that's coming down the pike? And then know what your response strategy might be. So is that a statement that you can have at the ready? Is it social media posts? How do you plan to get that message out the door? And who's going to be the owners of doing those things? So creating a good monitoring and tracking system, having a decision tree or sort of an ownership tree and understanding who's going to make some of those final calls, I think is, is really key. And so, you know, often... You mentioned social media is one of those things that's changing, changing the nature of, of the work, um, uh, both for communicators and university leaders. Um, mm -hmm. But every organization is a little bit different. So sure. depending on their governing structure and it might be more difficult for some to mobilize than others and reach a consensus during a crisis. So as you were listening to me describe some of my work and the best practices, what kinds of challenges would you see in adopting those practices in the typical university governance structure or, or frankly, just the culture to higher education? Sure, sure. So so challenges can can many times, uh, I'll say, uh, can be avoided in, in, in many situations, uh, of course, in, that you mentioned. And effectively managing climate flashpoints is a campus-wide priority that requires advanced, just as you were stating, advanced discussion and planning among uh, its senior leaders, with, of course, um, uh, the advice coming from uh, the Office of Communications and PR department as well. There's certainly uh, those conversations happening um, on a very regular basis. So while student affairs and campus safety and, again, university communications may take the lead in responding to a particular incident, it's critical that all institution leaders have this baseline understanding of the current flashpoint landscape. So are we listening to the news? Do we know what students are saying? Are we paying attention to what we're monitoring on social media so that we can effectively be proactive in this institution-wide response, so to speak, that could be uh, troubling and could be a challenge uh, to come? Um, but very similar to what you mentioned, you know, we recommend uh, a couple different um, strategies or things to think about institutions, you know, regularly integrating flashpoints into your already created uh, institution risk register 
and then leverage, again, that online risk uh, monitoring strategies to promote early action, um, creating these mechanisms to consistently elevate and discuss uh, potential flashpoints. So are you bringing it to the cabinet meeting and um, having the communications director or those that are leading the communications office to say, here's what we're hearing, here's what might be coming about and what we should be paying attention to, um, and if there's any themes associated with that. Next, to develop a, a dedicated team, campus team, to structure and coordinate the campus response. Here at EAB, we have a lot of different models and examples of who should make up that team. And then just set clear expectations on when and how to respond to, to flashpoints with the advice of those who do, like you, who do this work um, daily and are, um, are experts at this, uh, certainly, uh, of course. Um, so there, there are several things uh, to, to think about that we recommend uh, to our partners in regards to how to respond, when to respond, and what that should look like. Yeah, I love the consistency message. I mean, it, it'd be easy to say, great, we did an issues management plan and now it's on the shelf. And then if you never look at it again, it's not really that helpful. So I know that one of the things we do as a firm is look at um, some of the key audiences when uh, we develop a plan with, with some of our partner organizations. So um, I'd love to hear from you about the different target audiences that a college or university might have to be thinking through during a crisis like that. And maybe yeah. any calls of schools that already have something really solid in place. Yeah, absolutely. So target audiences to, to, to think about, and we'll, we'll consider them maybe stakeholders as well, of course, your students, faculty, staff, quite naturally, but also your alumni. Um, what are the, Who are the neighboring communities around your institution that might be impacted uh, by a particular incident? Think about your donors. Um, is there a cause or challenge that is happening that's igniting some sort of activism that your donor supports or does not support? And you need to think about um, uh, their involvement uh, in that response as well. Of course, parents. And then who the incident impacts directly. So could it be maybe people of color, people uh, with disabilities? Is it are our international students somehow affected one way or another? So there's certain, certainly lots of entities uh, to consider. But I will say as far as response is concerned in um, the University of Maine system, they have this spotlight policy framework that really guides chancellors and presidents and simplifies the decision-making on when they should be and who should be making these institutional statements. So. It's pretty neat in the way that uh, they set it up just like a stoplight, a green zone, yellow zone, red zone. And the green zone is um, what are those things that are mission critical that directly impact the institution and the community? That means we need to go after that. So that might be employee and student health and safety or institution finances. We know that the chancellor and president can freely issue a statement in that situation. And then where we go kind of slow and in the yellow zone, uh, University of Maine would refer to is mission indirect. So it might not directly impact the mission or the, of the institution, but immigration policies and labor standards might impact the families of those or students who are students of, from different countries, international students, of course. So depending on time permitting, 
chancellors and presidents should consult with maybe a rapid advisory committee on how to respond. And then lastly here, the red zone, those things that are unrelated to the mission. So unrelated to the mission of the institution or their financial stability. So that could be political events or federal policies. And then we want our chancellors and presidents uh, to kind of avoid those issues at all costs um, if we don't need to necessarily address those. So I think University of Maine really has a perfect best practice of how to respond directly and when uh, to do so. Very cool. Thanks for that. Yeah. Excellent. So, so one of the things um, that, that I'm wondering um, is if a school has a good protocol in place, how do they know when and how to use it? You know, with all that we've discussed, it, it, it does feel like institutions and their leaders are being called on more often to comment publicly on issues of national importance. So when should a college or university consider commenting on a wider societal issue? Well, I think you gave quite quite the example at the University of Maine, right? So um, it, having those protocols in place is really the ticket. So if an issue is happening outside of the university's control, it's obviously a little bit stickier uh, to know if they should comment or not. And the reality is that Gen Z expects companies, brands, institutions to be commenting and responding to sort of wider societal issues. But um, but the reality is that you also need to stop and, and think about, um, is that within your role in the situation? So can you impact change? Clearly commenting directly on you know, issues like student health and safety on a campus or anything that aligns with your values and missions, um, you know, might be something you want to comment, but definitely in that space about student health and safety, but perhaps maybe something about the way, um, you know, uh, the local communities responding to something might be mission indirect, I think is what the words you use. So I think it's it's understanding what's in your control uh, as a university, what, um, what aligns with your values, um, and having that framework in place so that actually it's not really a, the decisions aren't willy nilly. It's not like we comment here today and we don't comment here tomorrow. I mean, consistency sure. is super key. Um, you you want to show up in a way that that meets your values and is aligned with your mission. And, and frankly, um, you don't want to be sort of commenting in one space one day and another space another day, because that's confusing to the people that are expecting to hear from you. So I think I think you did a good job explaining explaining protocols and and certainly talking about where and when a university might might want to comment. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, kind of a closing question here together. I'm going to put two together here. Um, sure. And and you know we we hear all the things to do, uh, what we should do uh, in our conversation today. But uh, what are some of the common mistakes that you see that leaders make during a crisis and what should they do instead? And then if you want to just kind of share what are your top pieces of advice for university leaders in terms of how they should prepare for a PR crisis? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the biggest mistake um, that I've seen is is people trying to cover things up, right? So um, there is not a space in which um, you can bury things under the rug, nor should you. Um, it's important to be honest about what you do and don't know about a situation. Um, and, and sometimes negative things are going to happen. That's just the reality. Um, 
you know, so um, it's pretend like it's all going to be perfect is is a bit naive. But um, especially in today's world, people are going to be much more upset about an attempt to cover things up or or push things under the rug. So that would be a, a huge mistake is is just burying your head in the sand and pretending it's going to go away. Um, that would that would be one. And I think the second thing is um, aligned with that, but um, not communicating anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just assuming that people know that that yeah okay we know there's a safety issue on campus or there was a you know a protest and and sort of saying you know that that's not for us to comment on well if it's on your campus it it, it probably is so I think you sh- they should be thinking about it in that way so certainly don't try to cover things up get the facts out and and make a plan if it's truly mission critical if it's um reflective of something that needs to happen on campus um like creating new diversity protocols or things like that you need to to name those things and take action around them and i think actually eab has worked with clients as well to sort of say not only do you say that first thing but there needs to be follow up mm-hmm. behind that message it can't just be a one and done sort of situation. So, so true change does take time and it, it needs that consistency along the way. So those would definitely be the mistakes. Um, and then as far as top takeaways, um, I know we just kind of scratched the surface. So, um, but some of the biggest, biggest takeaways are um, plan ahead. So um, it, it's easy to pretend or, or wish that things were not going to go wrong, um, <laughs> don't we all? But, um, you know, pushing off this planning, this risk mitigation piece um, and, and perhaps not thinking about the communications aspects um, would be would be a, a a problem. So really don't get caught off guard when you do that risk assessment on the financial side have the communications team or some element of that group in the mix so that you're thinking through how you would communicate if these risks uh, come come to life as well. So plan ahead. And then part of that, know who's making the decision. So is it a group of people? Do you have to reach a consensus? Is it a single person that says we're moving in this direction? That is particularly important um, in, a, in a situation in which there's um, reputational risk or, or certainly threats to, to you know, health and safety. So you need to make sure that that's clear before the the crisis hits. So um, you can do that. And then finally, staying aligned to your mission when crafting responses, when making those strategic decisions about how you respond. So if you're a university that values diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, make sure that that's at the forefront of your responses. If you're dealing with a you know diversity issue at, on campus, if um, if you believe in um, you know, maintaining uh, uh, academic freedom, for instance, maybe that's the way you respond to something. So uh, certainly just making sure the university values um, are, are part and parcel of your response um, as you're planning through these things and, and taking care on your campus. So I think there's lots um, lots to learn on this front. There are sure. many um there are many uh, situations and flashpoints that are going to continue happening on our college campuses. And um, I think university leaders would be wise to, to stop and think about it um, before they become true crises. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. I know here at EAB, I can speak for myself. Uh, I certainly work uh, with many institutions in preparing for addressing these campus climate flashpoints. And just as you said earlier, and just a few moments ago, especially scenario planning, when can we take the moment when, and be proactive 
um, and, and think of a typical situation uh, that we could be uh, positioned in and let's sort of practice what that response would be. And I lead a lot of those uh, uh, scenarios and would be happy to continue to do so with any of our partners, uh, certainly who are looking for, for that support. So I hope I'm not in the position myself uh, um, to have to respond to these crises and issues, but uh, I know there are people like you that could certainly be in, in our corner uh, to support us. So thank you so much for joining us today on Office Hours uh, with EAB. Excellent. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week when our guests dig into the customer relationship management technology and best practices you should be using to convert more inquiries into applicants and more applicants into successful students. Until then, thank you for your time.